Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Marcus Spears in a minute on the Shell Pennzoil performance line with his reaction to the surprising news of this day. Tua Tonga-Vailoa is the starting quarterback in Miami. Yeah, if you're just tuning in and hadn't heard, I'm not kidding. It does come as a surprise. Everyone I've spoken to so far, for the most part, has been surprised. Channing Crowder was not surprised. Talk show host in Miami, former Dolphin, said everything he's hearing is that Tua has been terrific, that the entire team thinks he's a star waiting to happen, and that at 3-3 three and three and one game out of the division in the AFC East, they think he gives them a better chance to win. This is not a move about developing a quarterback. This is a move about trying to win now. So let's talk to someone who has seen, I guess, every snap Tua Tonga-Vailoa has ever taken because Marcus Spears, before he became one of the stars of NFL Live on ESPN Now and the afternoons at 4 o'clock on ESPN, he was covering the SEC for us for years, and no one knows those guys better than he does. And so, Swagoo, you obviously know Tua better than anyone. What was your reaction when you heard that the Dolphins are making the move right now? First, it was excitement, G. I was excited because, you know, I wanted Tua to play coming out of the gate. Um, obviously, they didn't feel like he was ready. And it, it almost feels like they were targeted this time because it's not like Fitz is playing bad. It's a three-and-three three football team. Obviously, you've lost the two teams in your division, but for all intents and purposes, Miami was playing really good football. So um, it, it can be two things. This was the plan all along for Flores to get Tua in in this organization at this point. Fitzpatrick held it down. You know, they had 500, and you feel like you may have a little bit of a boost with Tua being in there. So, um, I'm I'm excited, man. I want to. I mean, everybody. Look from a fan perspective, everybody want to see Tua play. Um, everybody wants to see how he can, if he's going to be the guy in Miami that they plan on him being for an extended period of time. But outside of that, G, I can't. It. I don't feel like it was anything that Fitz did wrong for this move to be made. I think this was a plan from the beginning. I believe that Flores wanted to make sure that Tua was 100% ready, capable to do everything that they want to do offensively. Because as you mentioned, they still got a chance, man. They absolutely have a chance. If you look at their losses, they lost a game to Buffalo by three points. They lost a game to Seattle that they led in the fourth quarter. That's two of the three games they've lost this year. As we mentioned, they they had a very impressive win against San Francisco two weeks ago. I know the 49ers were banged up, but it's not nothing. Uh, And the division has come back to earth a little bit. So to, to emphasize that point, they obviously think they can win with him right now. This is not about developing him. They think he can win games right now. No question, G. And that's why I was, I shot the gun a little bit as far as, thinking he would play right out of the gate, boring he was healthy enough. Um, but, look, man, we last year, okay, we had the conversation about what Miami doing. They paying for two. Or, you know, they, they doing all of this. They showed down the stretch and they showed during games, proved me wrong, that they were trying to win these games. They just didn't have what it took. But if you go back, G, and this is what I want people to remember, Go back to the offseason and pay attention to how much money Miami spent. Go back and look at the guys that they signed in Byron Jones and Van Noy and making sure that they were solidifying this offensive line and putting these pieces together 
They were already building for Tua to play, already building for him to have people around him before he even stepped foot on the field of having a core group of guys and people that they felt comfortable with and guys that they could evaluate to see what they needed because they felt like they had their franchise quarterback. So now you get into week, what are we going into week seven now? Yes, yes. And they they feel like it's time. Um, and if he wasn't ready, based on every – look, they've had not only the games that's been played, but they also had the time they got together before the season starts to continue to evaluate him as a quarterback, to continue to see him get more and more comfortable with this offense, to continue to see and believe that he could make them a better team. And I got to trust the coaching decision to make the change based on the fact of what you're saying, G, is that they think they're going to be a better team with Tua in the, in the, at the spot. And if he's a better quarterback, they feel like they can really do some damage, not, not only in their division, but possibly put other teams on notice that, hey, we just got better by Antua and we wasn't bad to begin with. So remind everyone, Marcus, it was basically 11 months ago and seems like a different lifetime that he got hurt in college. Remind yeah. everyone of just how good he was. Oh, my God, man. He was the in the SEC. He was the all time leader in completion percentage. Um all of these guys that you see starring in the league right now, Tua was ahead of them. He was going to be, gee, think about it. I want people to go back. Like you said, remember, Tua dislocated his hip and went sixth overall or fifth overall. I'm fifth, sorry. Yeah. Um, that's how good he was. A team was willing to say, oh, no, we will not let that talent be, be lost on us, especially Miami. You remember all the conversations we had about Drew Brees. And when they signed Culpepper instead um, and talking about Miami was not going to let that happen again. Tua is an elite thrower of the ball. Now, one of his problems was holding on to it too long, and that was a cause for a lot of his injuries in college, and you're seeing him some trouble. But but beyond that, Tua Tavola is, for all intents and purposes, coming out of that draft, was considered the best quarterback before Joe Burrow had an unbelievable season, and Justin Herbert wasn't even considered to be as good as both of those guys. It was Tua's first pick of the draft to lose before that injury happened. And like I said, he still went fifth, broke all the records in Alabama, legitimately ushered in the prolific quarterback at Alabama after so many years of Alabama being a ground-and-pound team in college. Like, Nick Saban adjusted because Tua was so good from the pocket. There's there's a gravity to what he was able to accomplish, not only in the SEC, but how much he changed that conference. Um, Lane Kiffin was the OC, and Lane put up big numbers with quarterbacks. But when Tua came and, and started at – was playing at Alabama, Alabama clearly was a spread-you-out – push the ball down the field football team. And that was not Nick Saban's MO ever as a head coach. So that's how that's how good he was. That's how much of an impact he made on college football. And that's how much um, Miami is thinking he's going to change the culture there as well. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Marcus Spears is with me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. I know you're delighted to talk about this because the longer we talk about this, 
the less chance I have to ask you about the Cowboys. Um, oh and, and, but you've gotten beaten up all morning long, so I'm not going to do that to you again. We forced you to talk about it on Get Up, and then Stephen A. annihilated you on first take. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sort of shift it forward. The Cowboys are two and four. They've looked awful all year long, and especially last night. But they are in first place in what is a very bad division. What can they do to get it right? Again, for those who don't know, Marcus is a former Cowboy. This is sort of near and dear to you. What can they do to look better, play better, and compete better than they have to this point and make something of a season that began with a bunch of promise? Gee, I'm going to tell you, this is going to sound like wishful thinking, but I'm going to start on the defensive side and then we'll get to offense. Defensively, they need to go back to playing an attack in 4-3 style of football. And I know, I know that's not Mike Nolan's style, and they may, that may not even be something that they can do or he can coach successfully because that's not what, what he majors in. But if, if, if we want DeMarcus Lawrence to return to the DeMarcus Lawrence that got $100 million and we want Alden Smith to be that guy that he's shown to be already really good, um, if we want to take pressure off guys on the back end in Dallas where they're not good as far as defending the pass, it's got to be uh, hell on wheels up front. We attacking everything. Jalen Smith, um, Leighton Vander Esch were best suited in that type of defense. All right, to the other side of the ball. Gee, I'm going to tell you, man, and this is what was so disheartening about last night. And, look, all, all of the all of the stuff that we talk about, that's you know, I'm a fan, and I want to see the Cowboys have success. The worst problem you can have in the NFL is a personnel problem. And Dallas' issue is personnel. Offensive line, obviously, not be understated. And I tell you, like, like we've had conversations, if you cannot win at the line of scrimmage, you cannot win in this league. I don't care how many wide receivers we talk about, how great the quarterbacks are, how great every, every aspect of your game can be. If you cannot win and block people and keep them off your quarterback, you cannot win in this league. And especially if you got a running back that's turning the ball over and you're not having success in the run game. Ask Aaron Rodgers how good can you really be when, the, when, when your offensive line can't contain the guys that's rushing. And we know Aaron is, the, is one of the greatest to ever do it, but we saw what Tampa was able to do. It's every quarterback. Tom Brady, what we talk about with him, if you get pressure up the middle of the pocket, you make Tom Brady a normal football player. It was the same thing with Peyton Manning. Dallas has a personnel issue. I don't know if it's offensive linemen out there that they can get off waivers or they can try to re-sign guys or work guys out. I'm sure they're trying to figure that out in that building. But to say that they can fix it, I don't think they can because this is a personnel issue. This is not schematics. This is not Andy Dalton being terrible. Like, Andy Dalton can facilitate good enough football if you are able to run it and able to protect him long enough. The bottom line is, G, and what's so disheartening, and I hate to say it because those guys, that they working hard and they want to be good football players, but when you go from – think about this. <laughs> when you go from all pros and pro bowlers to some, some positions like center being on your third-string guy, and guys playing that doesn't have any NFL experience, and you have to week in and week out go in with a backup quarterback, that's a recipe for disaster, brother. And I don't think the Cowboys can fix that. 
It's well said. And, and yet someone is going to wind up winning that division. The Eagles play the Giants on Thursday night. So on it goes. A division that through six weeks is a total of five wins. Way to hang in there this morning, Marcus. Thank you. And we'll see you at 4 o'clock Eastern on, on NFL Live. All right, my brother. I'll talk to you soon. See you later. That's the big swagoo, Marcus Spears, who was great fun and who this morning took his uh, took his beating like, like you know, we – he put, he put the sunglasses on, and, and we forced him to talk about it. Then Stephen A. came on and just went crazy, and it was great fun. And, you know, Marcus, but he really does care. Like, it bothers him to see the Cowboys look this bad the way it bothers fans. He now knows how, or he knows how a lot of other fans out there feel. We all, a lot of us have teams that we root for that stink, and you know who I root for, and we stink, and that's just part of life sometimes, so you live with the way it looks. With that thought in mind, I told you that there was a college football story that I think could change everything. I'll tell you what that is in just a second. Very quickly, let me mention that my podcast for this week is out. It is up. It is available, and it includes Mike Tarico. My podcast is called I'm Interested, and it posts a new one every Tuesday. It's a long-form interview, and this fall I'm interviewing a lot of the legendary voices in sports, and Tarico is as good as anybody, and he's got unbelievable stories about the greatest Monday night game he ever did, the greatest NBA finals he ever did, about doing the Olympics, and a lot of other stuff. We also remember our our friend Stuart Scott and much more. So if you get a chance, it's called I'm Interested, and it's available anywhere you usually get your podcasts. Okay, here's just something I came across in the packet this morning. They put out, ESPN does, for all of us who are on the air, a packet of stories that are interesting from across the country, just sort of culled from newspaper columns uh, and other notes across the country. And one of them was about Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh. Now, I'm not going to overreact to this. I obviously don't know the story closely. I'm not there, but it is worth pointing out. The story is from the Detroit Free Press, and the headline is, Michigan football's Jim Harbaugh enters 2020 season with contract uncertainty and so I went in and I read it and Jim Harbaugh is the only coach in the Big Ten who does not have a contract that extends beyond next season he has not signed a new deal or an extension his contract expires at the end of the 21 season he's quoted as saying he just hasn't been a priority for him to sign an extension Now, I know Jim a little. I don't know him well. I covered him when he was the quarterback of the Bears and for some period of time, but it's not like we socialized. And then we were uh, together at an event for Dick Vitale's charity some time ago and sat together and had a nice opportunity to talk. And I like Jim very much. And uh, I do not want to sit here and start suggesting I believe he's leaving Michigan. I don't know that. But I do think that... I've always said I thought that he would want to win the Big Ten, at least win the Big Ten, get his alma mater back on top of the Big Ten, beat Ohio State, make it to the playoff, win a championship, and then maybe he would entertain going back to the NFL. That's been my external guess. It's all I'm doing is speculating. I don't want anyone to say Greeny is reporting that or Greeny has heard that. None of those. I'm just saying that if you're going to put two and two together, it's been a bit of a frustrating road at Michigan the last couple of years. Ohio State's dominance has, hasn't really increased because they were already extraordinarily dominant with Trestle and then with Urban, but it remains basically on par with where it was. The reality of the situation is that as football programs right now, Michigan is not on the same level as Ohio State. It's, it's, it's not really a rivalry in the sense of 
any level of equality. It's more of a relationship than a rivalry. As I said earlier this week about the Browns and the Steelers, the last time Ohio State lost a game to Michigan, Luke Fickle was the coach. So is it possible that Harbaugh doesn't want to sign an extension if he isn't quite certain he's going to stay beyond next year and is giving some thought to the NFL? It certainly is possible. And all of that is a big buildup to my saying that I think everyone's got to put their cards on the table at times like this as fans. And that's what I am. I don't represent myself to be anything more than that when I sit here talking to you. I think every NFL team with a vacancy should be seriously considering that. And I hope that Christopher Johnson is on a plane to Ann Arbor and begging, just begging Jim Harbaugh to come coach the Jets. Begging Jim Harbaugh to come coach the Jets. And Harbaugh has his detractors and they are loud and there are many of them. And they don't make unreasonable points. I hear it. I get it. I get that it hasn't gone at Michigan the way I expected it to. I thought he'd start winning huge. He's merely won big. He has improved that program. Michigan football is much better than it was before he got there. But it isn't Ohio State. They're not winning the Big Ten, which is what I think the expectation was. But Harbaugh's track record of success in the NFL is unmistakable. Go look at what San Francisco was before he got there. Look at what it was while he was there. Look what it was right after he left. Then look at um, his record previously in college. Everywhere he goes, he turns things around and wins. Again, even at Michigan, he has won more than they were winning before he got there. I know it's not a long-term answer in the NFL. People think he wears on people. Maybe he does. That's okay. If he can come in, coach up a quarterback, turn around a, a, the, the sort of attitude and spirit and, and a vibe of a franchise, the culture of a franchise, and only last four years doing it and make a run at a championship, I'm in. I'm in. I'd much rather that than whatever 32-year-old offensive coordinator people are impressed by this week. I'm done with these gurus. I'm done with these brilliant offensive minds. Because you know what we find out all the time? They're not really that brilliant. A lot of where their success comes from the players they're coaching, particularly the quarterbacks they're coaching. And even if they are great with the X's and O's, that's not what a head coach is. A head coach is a leader. A head coach is a person who galvanizes everyone, who is a CEO, and who makes everybody pull on the rope as hard as they can in the same direction. I'll take Jim Harbaugh as the coach of my team infinitely before I will take the next coach of choice, the next one, the next flavor of the month, offensive coordinator who is 33 years old and has Sean McVay, his phone number, and his contacts. That's who everybody wants to hire. That's how you wind up with Adam Gase as your coach. Because once when Peyton Manning was his quarterback, he put up huge numbers. And then you wind up with this nonsense. So I, I think that there's, there are going to be a lot of coaching vacancies in the NFL. And I think a lot of those teams will at minimum kick the tires on Jim Harbaugh. Again, I want to make it clear. I don't know that he's leaving. But I do know that he doesn't have a contract beyond next season. And that is the only coach in the Big Ten in that situation. Maybe I'm putting two, two together and getting five. But at minimum... Christopher Johnson should be looking into it. Hey, it's champion versus champion at UFC 254 when Habib takes on Gaethje this Saturday with a special start time of 2 p.m. Eastern, only on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. 
UFC 254 exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for just $64.99. Visit ESPNPlus.com slash PPV for more details. Coming up next, the GM of my team joins me to answer the biggest question right now in the entire National Football League. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Approaching half past the hour, this is Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. I am presented by Progressive Insurance, commercial insurance through Progressive. Protects your business and your dream. Choose from over 30 coverage options at ProgressiveCommercial.com. As you just heard in SportsCenter, the big story of the day, it's Tua time. In Miami, the Dolphins are giving the ball to Tua Tungavailoa despite having won a couple of games in a row and Ryan Fitzpatrick putting up really big numbers. They're one game out of first place in the AFC East. They're giving the ball to the rookie and seeing how far he can take them. Let's actually go near Miami. My friend Mike Tannenbaum is on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. He lives not far from where the Dolphins play. Good, good afternoon, Mike. How are you? Good, Greeny. How's it going? Well, I'm surprised, to be honest with you. I didn't see this coming here. What was your reaction when you heard the Dolphins had made this decision now? Uh, I was a little surprised, and I think context is really important in that we're in such a weird year. Like, this is really, while we're in the fifth game, this is really after week one of the regular season, if we had assumed a regular four-week preseason schedule. So from that standpoint, maybe they feel that he's now comfortable in the offense and understands things like protections, and now it's safe to put them out there. Yeah. Does it feel to you like a move that is made in the interest of winning right now? It, it, it's a team that has to balance. It's, a, it's an interesting balancing act you have to walk when you're trying to develop a young quarterback who's on a rookie contract, and we know how valuable that can be, and trying to win right now. Does it feel like a move that is trying to accomplish both of those things at the same time to you? Uh, a little bit. I agree with you. I was a little surprised just given how well Fitzy is playing. And, you know, right now they're 3-3 three and three in the thick of the AFC playoff race. So um, I was surprised a little bit by the timing of it. But I think that, that's right. Where they, they, I'm sure a lot of teams like charges with Justin Herbert, which is the clock's ticking. And we want to get this guy out there and he's our future. And, again, uh, maybe they just felt like they wanted to put him out there as soon as they, they felt like he could, you know, function. And, and most most importantly, protect himself in terms of knowing where the hots are and be able to understand protections. All right, Mike Tannenbaum with me here on ESPN Radio. One other thing before I get to the primary reason 
I wanted to have you on. You've been a big proponent on Get Up of Dak Prescott all along. You were one of the first people who said on our show that the Cowboys made a huge mistake by not locking him up two years ago by taking care of all these other contracts before they got to his. As you watched them last night, and they look like a team that is falling apart at the seams, how much of what you saw last night do you think Dak Prescott could have done anything about? How much of last night was about Dak not being there? Oh, I think a lot. I think that's what greatness is about, Greeny, which is how you impact others. And we've talked about it on your show for a couple of years, which is you pay Zeke Elliott, and like you said, you know Jerry Jones could have controlled Zeke Elliott basically for his entire career, yet he holds out in Cabo and they reward that. And instead, they don't have a franchise quarterback under contract. And I think last night he may have made more money by not playing than he ever did by playing because they are a below-average team without him. And we can make all the excuses about the offensive line, but we saw Carson Wentz go out with only one offensive lineman and function in that Eagle uh, offense, something that Gals could not do last night. Yeah, I mean, they're a mess right now. Someone has to win that division, and we'll see what the record of the team that ultimately does is. Okay, here's what I wanted to ask you about, because you, you know deals, you understand how value is assigned to players, and, and you know I've long believed, and we've had these conversations that teams treat draft picks like they're gold. Like the, the things that get traded for third-round picks, I just can't believe. Like really good functioning players in the National Football League get traded for sixth-round draft picks, which half the time don't even wind up making the roster. So I never understand it. But, but there are so many teams out there that are going to have interesting quarterback decisions to make when the season is over. So it, it, a number of teams that could wind up in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence, for example. And if they did, I'm just going to start with the New York Giants because everyone assumes I would, I'm talking about the Jets. But there were a lot of teams in that position. If you're the New York Giants and you wind up with the worst record in the NFL and you want to draft Trevor Lawrence, what could you trade Daniel Jones for right now? I think it's a second-round pick. I think we go back to April of 19 and it's Josh Rosen going to Miami, and that was for a second and a, and a fifth-round pick. So I think that's what Daniel Jones is worth. I think he was overdrafted by the Giants if they moved on from him. I think that's a really close comparison, and I agree with you, Greeny. I think when you take a half a step back, I think teams hold on to these picks way too close to the vest in terms of when you actually project what they're actually worth. So I think a second and maybe something else, but Daniel Jones has been very middle of the road, so I just don't think they'll get much more than that. Well, obviously, I'm going to ask you about Darnold. If the Jets, and I believe this is overwhelmingly the likeliest scenario here, wind up with the worst record in the NFL and the first pick, and they decide they're going to take Lawrence, which I assume they would, what would they get for Sam Darnold? I think it's something similar. It's maybe a second-round pick and maybe a player in return. Like we saw Kansas City when they traded Alex Smith, for example, to Washington. They were able to get a third-round pick and Kendall Fuller, who's a good player. So maybe it's a two and a player. Um, and there's going to be a number of teams, you know, Green, and this is really interesting. If we look at not only next year but the year after, we're going to bring teams in like Tampa Bay, New Orleans, obviously Jacksonville, maybe even teams like San Francisco that will need a quarterback. So if I'm the Jets, maybe I could get a little bit more because I'm looking at this over the next two years, meaning 2021 and 2022. So hopefully for them it's a little bit of a seller's market. One more. Is there any market in your mind or any value – that you would even entertain for the rights to that pick? If you were the general manager of a team that had the first pick in next year's draft, is there any price that would make you listen to trade away the rights 
to draft Trevor Lawrence? Nope. And we saw that answered when the Baltimore Colts straight away John Elway. You know, they never were able to recover from that. Trevor Lawrence is an impeccable character. He's smart, he's athletic, and he's immensely talented. And you would have to convince me why that would be good business for the Jets or anybody else to trade that away. And I would be doing really the inverse of that, Greeny, which is doing everything I could within reason to make it the right environment for him to be successful from offensive line play to how he was coached to develop who he needs to have from his sort of inner circle to be with him. Because if you put him in a position to be successful as a Jet fan, you could be setting yourself up for a dynastic run. He's that good. Yeah, and it's not just them, obviously. I don't want it to seem like I'm just talking about them. They are the team that that sort of finds themselves in that situation. But a lot of teams are going to be looking for quarterbacks. You you just made me think of a really interesting point, and you're 100% right, which is if you look over the course of the next two or three years at the number of teams that are likely to need a quarterback, and I wouldn't put the Jets or Giants in that category because those, those are circumstances that, well, this guy just fell into your lap, so you're going to make a move on it. Otherwise, you're not going to make that change. But there are a lot of teams out there that are going to be looking for new quarterbacks. We could have a complete reshuffling in the league and the quarterback position in the next couple of years. Like, for example, Matt Ryan. If the Falcons don't have some sort of miracle turnaround this year and make a playoff run, what do you think happens to Ryan going to next season? Yeah, he is certainly a guy that they're going to have to take a long look at. Him and Julio Jones, that's what's so interesting about our sport. We've talked about this, Green. You go from Julio Jones in the preseason having a statue in front of the Mercedes-Benz Arena to now saying, well, you know what, he's at the right price, expendable. And so is Matt Ryan. And when we talk about the context of, again, the next year to 18 months, non-traditional teams like the England Patriots, Indianapolis, like you said, Atlanta, New Orleans, maybe even teams like Minnesota, San Francisco will be looking for quarterbacks. And again, that's why if I'm the Jets and as unfortunate as this year is going, but I wind up with Trevor Lawrence, maybe I could get a first round pick because all those teams are going to say to myself, hey, can I make Sam Darnold a quarterback that he could be? And if I'm drafting, let's say in the 20s, 25 to 32, am I better off? Is he better off, let's say, than Jordan Love, who went in the same part of the draft to Green Bay? So because so many teams may be looking long term, Maybe they get into the bottom of the first, but I think likely it's the second round for Donald. Oh, that's depressing, but I appreciate the insight. Mike Tannenbaum, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. I will talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Greeny. That's Tannenbaum with me. I'm just looking at some of the teams that if you look at it, the Bills, the Dolphins, you can go division by division. There were so many teams that figured to need a quarterback in the next two years. The next two years. And some of these guys are they, there are there are all these teams that have young quarterbacks and there's a bunch of really old ones. There's very little in the middle in the National Football League right now. All right. Greeny with you here. Um, and, and we will do a lot more as we continue here. Coming up, the one thing the NFL needs to change right now. And I mean right now. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. 
Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Grainy with you again. The big news, if you're just tuning in and not heard earlier today, the Dolphins have decided they're giving the ball to Tua. That's the big story of this sports day, and no one is happier about that than the people in Dallas. Every player, every member of the organization of the Dallas Cowboys relieved that Tua and the Dolphins have taken all the spotlight away from them after the way the Cowboys stunk it up on Monday Night Football last night, leaving the NFC East candidly in a state of absolute disgrace. I will give you these fascinating stats about the NFC East. Their combined winning percentage right now is the second worst of any division ever at this point in the season. Their combined point differential is the second worst of any division ever at this point of the season. Their 23 combined, minus 23 combined turnover margin is the worst of any division to this point of the season ever. And oh, by the way, the Cowboys, as sole leaders of the division, are the first team since the merger to have sole possession of first place in a division this late into a season with a losing record. Those are fascinating stats. They're brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after its time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Sir Charles. You're exactly right. Charles Barkley knows that mine is that rare genius that will not be appreciated until after my time. So you're welcome. I'm solving a problem. The NFC East is embarrassing. It's an eyesore. They have a combined total of five wins through six weeks. Thursday night, we are all going to be subjected to watching the Eagles and the Giants. The Eagles are going to play that game without Ertz and without Sanders. And they're already missing half their offense. And still, they're going to beat the Giants. What is it? Someone came in my ear. What's the line? The Eagles have to be favored in that game by six points. What, what is the line on that game, Bubba? Someone jump on and tell me when you can find it. Because the Eagles, I'm saying, the Eagles who are decimated to that point and are 1-4-1, one, and one, even with all of that, are a, a definitively better team than the Giants. Three and a half. Eagles minus three and a half is the number. Give the points. But you've got the Eagles, who just look awful and will probably win the division. The Cowboys, who are embarrassing. They look so terrible on Monday Night Football last night that it was difficult to watch. Their fans are embarrassed, and it is only going to get worse. It feels as though they are starting to fall apart at the seams. There's starting to be rumblings that they are sort of revolting against the new coaching staff. That's a disaster happening right before your eyes. Washington is bad. And who am I forgetting? The Giants, who are incredibly bad. So we're talking about an incredibly bad division. So here's what I believe we need to change right now. It's all well and good that we're going to give them a playoff spot. We're going to give the NFC East a playoff spot. I think that you maintain that. 
I used to believe that if the, the division champion was not above 500 or at least 500, they shouldn't make the playoffs at all. I've been talked out of that. I'm an open-minded person. I can be, have my mind changed. But here's what I do believe. No way in the world should that team host a, a first-round playoff game. No way. If the Eagles win that division at 6-9-1, and one, which is my prediction, I am predicting that the eventual champion of the NFC East will be the Philadelphia Eagles at 6-9-1. and one. If that happens and Green Bay has to come play them in Philly or Tampa Bay or New Orleans or Chicago or Seattle or the Rams or one of these teams that are 10-6 and six have to go play a playoff game in Philadelphia, it just doesn't look right, doesn't pass the smell test doesn't really make a lot of sense. And there isn't any obvious reason for it. Put the division champion in the playoff. Yes. Doesn't necessarily mean they have to get home field advantage in the first game. You want to seed them four anyway? I can live with that. But just flip-flop who has home field advantage. Not that complicated. You want to seed them seven? Would have been six now at seven. I would even be in favor of that. But that's the new greenie plan. You're welcome. I believe that if the team is not at minimum 500... I think a team has to be at least 500 to be able to host a playoff game against a team with a winning record. And you know what's stunning to me, and it makes me a little bit nervous, is that I threw that out there a little earlier in the show, and I look through the Twitter response, and I see it. Please tweet at me. Just use hashtag Greeny. I will see it. And I'm stunned at the number of people who are agreeing with this idea. I'm mostly accustomed to people telling me they hate my ideas, that they're extraordinarily bad. But here, most of the people that I've seen as I've scrolled through this quickly tend to like this idea, which almost never happens. So it's just a little discombobulating. But I appreciate the feedback as always, and I think it's a good idea, and I'd like to see them make that change. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, the question is, can they right this ship off of last night? Could everything have possibly gone worse than it did last night? This is a Cowboy team that was talking about the Super Bowl during the summer. This is a Cowboy team where the owner has spent a fortune of money building what he thinks is a championship team. He went down to Cowbo last year for no reason, for reasons known only to him, and gave Zeke Elliott all the money in the world plus $10 to come back when he didn't have to. Zeke has a tattoo on his stomach that says, feed me. And when his team needs him most, he fumbles twice last night. And the game is over. On that second fumble, it's over. Because the Cowboys' defense never stops anyone. They are on pace to allow the most points of any team in NFL history. So they're just terrible. They're worse than the Eagles. The Eagles are just hurt. If the Eagles get any semblance of healthy, I believe they wind up winning that division. Again, at 6-9-1. and one. We haven't really had much time on the other game today. Kansas City just ran it right down the throat of Buffalo, and now they're adding Le'Veon Bell. That's an offense that is awfully good showed itself to be patient when it needed to be, and it might become bordering unfair when they add Bell to the mix. World Series game one tonight. Glass now against um, Clayton Kershaw. Enjoy it. Every pitch will be here on ESPN Radio. We'll have full coverage for you tomorrow morning on Get Up and right back here, of course, on this show. I'm delighted you've chosen to hang out with me today and every day. See you then. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.